You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it's time to wake up with the morning boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Thursday morning and welcome in to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the morning boys with Ryan Hickey right here on this gorgeous, beautiful Thursday morning. And we appreciate you starting your Thursday morning right here with us on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hopefully you're having a great week so far. You're staying safe. You're staying sane. If you're on vacation, you're enjoying it. Getting some of those uh, those summertime thrills that, you know, we're always used to getting. But obviously <laughs> in 2020, that is uh, that takes on a whole new meaning. So whatever you're doing. However, you're enjoying your time, if you're on vacation, if you're working, hopefully you're staying safe, you're staying sane, and no matter what you're doing, we appreciate you starting your morning with us right here every Monday and Thursday on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Sports fans, listeners of this show, we have finally reached Nirvana. It really, this week, kind of crystallizes, it comes together, what we've been waiting for since March 11th, since the shutdown, since the NBA um, was the first to close their doors after Rudy Gobert tested positive. We are finally now... Back in overdrive, back in the driver's seat when it comes to actually watching sports, enjoying sports, and having that good problem that we have again that we always used to have sometimes depending on what year it is or what time of the month it is, I should say. Too many things to watch because now baseball last week got started. Great little appetizer, great little way to watch some live sports again, get the juices flowing, remember what it's like when you get really high after a win or really low after a brutal loss and being a Mets fan, unfortunately, I've already experienced that low feeling more times than I would like to uh, enjoy this first week. But, hey, it's back. Baseball's back. It's good to enjoy. And now tonight we get the NBA back. You have two great games, Jazz and the Pelicans, Lakers and the Clippers tonight, and the NHL playoffs resume on Saturday. So this weekend we're going to have overload. You have golf, you have baseball, you have basketball, you have hockey. NFL training camps are starting up. You knock on wood. You knock on wood that at least hopefully everything uh, can resume and resume safely. And uh, we will have a, a, an issue of too much to talk about, too much sports to watch. That's always a, a good issue than the past few months where uh, it was a desert for any real content, for sure. Um, but we saw, with that said, we have a great, great, great show. We're very excited. Um, since we got off the air, or really it started breaking as we're on the air on, on Monday's show about what was going on with the Marlins. Um, coming off Sunday, they had four players that tested positive for coronavirus, still played against the Phillies on Sunday. And then it came out that eight more players tested positive on Monday. And now the total traveling party of the, of the Marlins, 18 members have tested positive for coronavirus as we sit here on this Thursday morning. And there's one angle that was revealed by an MLB reporter that I think actually, when you look at the situation as a whole, because obviously it's not great, right? It's, it's the worst case scenario when baseball has a massive outbreak within one team. But I want to phrase it this way. I want to look at it this way. I actually think this is part of this issue is the best case scenario for Major League Baseball. I'll explain what that is in, in just about 15 minutes or so at 920. 940, it finally happened. I think the coronavirus kind of put a, a damper on it, but those feelings that it will be harbored towards the Astros, now that we're finally back playing baseball for the first time since their cheating scandal came to light back in November, now that really for the first time we can, we as fans, we you know, as, um, as people enjoying baseball and the players can actually get retribution because Major League Baseball didn't punish the players at all. Um, and we finally saw it the other day. Dodgers and Astros played on Tuesday and Wednesday. Joe Kelly, a pitcher for the Dodgers, threw behind Alex Bagram's head, came close with a, a few other pitches to a few other players, and he suffered the consequences um, and was suspended yesterday for eight games. 
by Major League Baseball for coming close and, uh, in their eyes, just intentionally throwing at or near the head of a few Astros players. I'll tell you why, MLB, you can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. I'll explain what that means at 940. Top of the second hour. With the NBA returning tonight, and the NBA, you know, again, for the most part, that's the league with the least amount of parity. Right? Baseball, honestly, in, in the playoffs, anything can happen. NFL, one game, anything can happen. We've seen plenty of lower seeds pull upsets. We've seen plenty of wild card teams make runs, beat, team, you know, beat the number one seed, beat the number two seed, and make runs to the Super Bowl. It's not crazy. Hockey, same thing. Really, and as long as you make it, anything can happen. Basketball is the one that really upsets are rare, few and far between. So now with that said, with basketball not having much parity, but the, 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 um, the playing games, or I guess the uh, exhibition games, the seeding games, however you want to call them, uh, getting started tonight, we'll look at who could be that Cinderella team. Because I want to do preview the season, but, I mean, to be honest, let's see here. The, the season preview would take three seconds. Okay, there's three teams that are going to contend, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks. that's it. Well, let's be honest. But if it's, but I want to look at it from this perspective. If it's not going to be the Lakers winning the championship, if it's not going to be the Clippers winning the championship or the Bucks, which team in the East, which team in the West is most likely to be a Cinderella? Could most likely pull these upsets and make an unexpected run to the finals or maybe even win the finals? I have one team, like I said, one from each conference. I'll, I'll lay out at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. 10-20, we have obviously 2020 Apocalypse. Three players have punched our ticket to the final four. We look for the fourth and final one today. The number two seed, Cody Enos. My former roommate really got into the mind um, when he was on during the regular season, really kind of broke it down um, from my perspective. How would I be smart enough or creative enough to, uh, to make this up or be real? He did great four to five. And the upset, Rob Young, got in on his last question in the regular season. Got through Teddy in the first round of the playoffs, and now he's looking to punch his ticket, keep the Cinderella story going, and join the Final Four. We'll do that 10-20. And to finish the show 10-40, Lamar Jackson had some interesting words. Um, when discussing Antonio Brown yesterday and why he wants the Ravens to go sign um, the very talented but massive headache wide receiver that's currently for agent. Tell you why Lamar Jackson, little off on his words and very off on his explanation as to why he thinks the Ravens would be a great fit for uh, Antonio Brown. We'll finish the show at 1040. But I do want to start last night. Um, I do want to start, excuse me, with the NFL. And last night, or throughout the whole week, I should say, the NFL players have been releasing their list of the top 100 players. Now, to every year now for the past few years, NFL players have voted who are the top 100 players heading into the season. So it's been you know, a nice little reflection to see, okay, how do the players who actually go against these athletes that we watch on TV, that actually compete against them on the field, in person, one-on-one, what do they think of all these players? And last night, the final results were revealed. The full 100 list was showed, and the top five players were revealed. And I'll just say this. The number one player was not who he thought it was. There was an upset. Top five, as revealed by the players last night. Number one, the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson. Number two, Russell Wilson. Number three, Aaron Donald. Number four, Patrick Holmes. And number five, Michael Thomas. And I want to kind of use that list to throw it out to you, the fan. You, the, the, uh, the fan who watches the NFL on a weekly basis. Who is the best player in the NFL? For the players, it's Lamar Jackson. For myself as a fan, it is not Lamar Jackson. To me, there's no one better. There's only one answer. It's Patrick Holmes. It's the almost half a billion dollar man. It's the guy in two full seasons has won an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, and still we don't know what the ceiling is. It's not even close, honestly. And so for the second year in a row, Patrick Holmes, after winning the MVP last year, they're going to the Super Bowl 
having a great comeback against the 49ers and winning the Super Bowl MVP now is still number four, according to the players' eyes. I don't get it. So I want to ask you, who is the best player in the NFL in your mind? I honestly didn't even think it was a debate. I don't think it was a question. I didn't even plan on talking about this today. Figured, you know, I saw the list kind of trickling out throughout the week. You know, the 70s, the 80s, the 60s. It's tough to get fired up about someone, let's be honest here, about a player in the 60s if they're too high or too low. But now as you got to, you know, closer, we're getting to the top 20, top 10, top 5. You think, okay, you know, we have a few upsets here and there, but we know who the top 3, 4, 5 players are. That's really not debatable. And I, I didn't think it was until I see that the players voted Lamar Jackson 1, Russell Wilson 2, and put Patrick Holmes all the way down to 4. Four. They think three other players currently right now are better than Patrick Mahomes. And I don't get it. I don't think I'm crazy. I don't think I'm the only one on an island here who thinks that it's ridiculous to think not only the three players are better, two quarterbacks are better. And let's look at it. Let's look at what Lamar has done, what Russ has done, and what Patrick has done. So far, like I said, in the two years that Patrick Mahomes has been the full-time starter, He's won an NFL MVP in 2018. He won the Super Bowl MVP this year. His career playoff record so far in two years is 4-1. and one. His career record as the quarterback of the Chiefs, 28-8. and eight. How about this, Dax? We saw it a lot in the playoffs. The Chiefs got behind by 10 points or more last year six times. You know what the record is? Six times you trailed by 10 or more points. They are 5-1 in those games, including 3-0 in the playoffs. 24-0 to the Texans. Down 10 points to the Titans, down 10 points to the 49ers. Win, win, win. I don't see, there's no other quarterback out there that, that's pulling off that many comebacks week after week after week, especially when you get to the playoffs, when it's that much more intense, when the, 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 uh, the competition is that much better. Five and one. It's nothing to sneeze at. Not to mention, you look at his overall game, his overall talent. I mean, he has the tools to be the best player and already is, in my mind, the best player in the NFL. Great arm strength, great accuracy. He's mobile. He can throw on the run. He's smart with his decision-making. Literally every single quality you want in an NFL quarterback in 2020, he has. Not to mention, going to his third full year as a starter, the ceiling is still high. He's not like Russell Wilson where, for the most part, we know what Russ is ceiling in. I think, for the most part, he really can't get that much better. He's a great quarterback. He is a top two quarterback in the league. But for the most part, we know what he, can, we can, what he can achieve, what he can accomplish. We still don't know that with Patrick Holmes. For how good he's been in the first two years, for how much he's accomplished already in the first two years, do we truly know how much better he can get? No. I think the ceiling's infinite. So in two years, when you win an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, four wins in the playoffs, a great already overall record, you can, you can do the comeback. You can lead in front. You can win anyway. You have all the tools. What else does he have to prove to be the best player in the league? I'm serious. In the player's mind, I'd love to know. What else does he have to accomplish to get the recognition, get the respect, to say, you know what, this guy's the best player in the league? I mean, honestly, let's, let's just look at strictly quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, two voted ahead by the players above Patrick Mahomes. Is there anyone out there, if you're starting a team right now, saying, yeah, I'll take Russell Wilson or I'll take Lamar Jackson? I'm sure as hell not making that, that, uh, that better or doing that. I'm taking the guy who can win. I'm taking the guy who can do it all. And don't just take it from me. You know, a sports fan, I, I watch a lot of games, but I mean, I, I'm not on the field, not in the film room. I'm not talking to scouts. 
So my opinion is my opinion, but it's not like, you know, I had this uh, great pedigree or ba- ba- uh, great background to make it, you know, to elevate my opinion over, let's say, someone who's been on the field playing against Patrick Holmes. But what if we listen to quarterback, uh, excuse me, coaches? What if we listen to general managers? Would their impact, or, or I should say their opinion, gain that much more weight? Because this week, what I plan on talking about, which I do want to talk about on Monday, but I plan on talking about today, was that the Athletic each and every week, uh, each and every year, excuse me, uh, with a great job by Mike Sando over there, does a, a quarterback tiers, a quarterback tier rankings. They have five tiers, one, two, three, four, five, and Mike Sando talks to 50 coaches and GMs and basically gets their poll on who's in tier one, who's in tier two, and he, they rank 37 quarterbacks, I believe it was this year. Who's number one? Who's the bottom? Who's in between? And number one, overall in tier one, number one overall of all the quarterbacks this year, released just a few days ago, was Patrick Mahomes. So you have the coaches and GMs think Patrick Mahomes is by far and away the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, you have the players not even thinking that he's the best or one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And obviously, so you have rival coaches and GMs think that Patrick Mahomes is the number one quarterback. You have the Chiefs think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback, or they wouldn't have given him a record contract. $500 billion. I'm sorry, $500 million if he lives through it and hits all the, uh, the incentives. So look, I'm not here trying to knock Lamar Jackson. Because he's great. He just won the MVP this past year. They were 14-2. and two. The Ravens were unbeatable in the regular season. They were hot. They won 12 games in a row. But let's look at it for what it is. They both have been in the league as starters for two years now. Obviously, Lamar a little less because he came about halfway last year. But they've been starters for two years. Mahomes has already accomplished more in that short amount of time. Like I said, he's 4-1 and one in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson is 0-2. Both at home, both the two inferior opponents. The Chargers last year, that looked awful. The Titans this year, they got punched in the mouth. And Lamar Jackson did not play well. And if we use that same survey, that same um, poll... That the Athletic did, we're talking to coaches and general managers about who, who the best quarterbacks are and what tier they belong in. Patrick Holmes not only was in tier one, he was the number one overall quarterback. You know where Lamar Jackson was? Lamar Jackson was tier two. They ranked him number seven. Number seven. Coming off the MVP season. He still has holes in his game. He still has to show he can lead a team, put him on his back. So what, what am I missing here? I understand Lamar Jackson just came off the MVP season, so maybe there's some recency bias where Patrick Holmes, I think, would have won the MVP if he stayed healthy, didn't miss a few games. But I honestly don't know what I'm missing. I honestly didn't think it was close. Like I said, I did not plan on starting the show and talking about who the best player in the NFL is because I didn't think it was a discussion. I didn't think we had to. I'm not going to ask obvious questions. But I guess we have to start asking obvious questions. So I'd love to get your thoughts. Who is the best player in the NFL? Like I said, I, did, I thought I was going crazy. I thought I was in the majority thinking that, you know what, it is Patrick Holmes. Look at what he's done. MVP, Super Bowl MVP. Great playoff record, play, uh, great regular season record. Threw for 5,000 yards last year. He can do it all. I, again, I, I thought that we all knew that. That was, you know, okay, let's go on to the next thing. But according to the players, according to the guys who line up against Patrick Mahomes, who line up against Lamar Jackson, who line up against Russell Wilson, they think the last two are better. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Who is the best player in the NFL? In your mind right now, going to 2020, who is the best player in the NFL?
Is it Lamar Jackson? Is it Russell Wilson? Is it Aaron Donald? Is it someone not in the top five? For me, it's Patrick Holmes. It's not close. I'm riding with him every single day. Like I said, I did not think it was a discussion, but the NFL players definitely think it's a discussion and definitely think not only is Patrick Holmes not the best quarterback, not the best player overall. There's two quarterbacks better, and he's a fourth overall. So I am shocked. I am floored by this. And I'd love to get your thoughts. Who is the best player in the NFL? We'll get your thoughts either on Facebook, World Life Sports Radio Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, WWSRN underscore radio from the app on Twitch. We appreciate you downloading and we appreciate you listening. If you haven't downloaded the app, don't know what you're waiting for, WWSRN on iOS or Worldwide Sports Radio Network on uh, Android. And everything, all the articles, all, all the shows, YouTube clips, everything you need about the Worldwide Sports Radio Network in one spot, in one location, nice and easy. WWSRN on iOS or Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android. So we'll get your thoughts. Who is the best player in the NFL? And when we come back, we will discuss more as now we know, learn more about the outbreak that happened on the, the uh, Miami Marlins. And we'll discuss why actually, I think for the most part, MLB handled it pretty well. I'll discuss why when we come back. It is the morning boys of Ryan Hickey right here on the World Dark Sports Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. We are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network talking about something I thought was obvious. I thought that we all agreed upon. I thought really there was no discussion, no debate. It was kind of, all right, let's move on to see who's number two, who's number three. But we are talking, who is the best player in the NFL? I thought it was Patrick Mahomes. I, like I said, I, I didn't think it was a discussion. I didn't think it was something we had to bring up on the show. But if you listen to the NFL players recently who just uh, put out their top 100 players voted, by, voted upon only by the players, they say Patrick Mahomes is not the best player in the NFL and not the best quarterback in the NFL, not even the be- uh, second best quarterback. They have Lamar Jackson one, Russell Wilson two, Aaron Donald three, and Patrick Mahomes all the way down at number four despite winning the MVP, despite winning the Super Bowl MVP, and despite having a great postseason record, a great regular season record, possessing every so- so-called talent you think you need to possess to be a, uh, a franchise-changing quarterback, franchise-changing player in 2020. But for some reason, the players don't agree. So let's get your thoughts. Who is the best player in the NFL right now? Coaches of GM say Patrick Mahomes, at least quarterback-wise. In a survey they did with The Athletic, the players say it is Lamar Jackson. So I'd love to get your thoughts either on Facebook, World Art Sports America, or you want to shoot us a tweet, WWSRN underscore radio, WWSRN underscore radio. If you want to shoot me a tweet personally, Ryan underscore Hickey, and the number three. And if you go there, we'll, uh, we'll read your tweets, read your comments, on the air and get your thoughts of who the best player is in the NFL. I do want to go to, the, to uh, Major League Baseball here because we talked about on Monday as the, the news is breaking of more Miami Marlins testing positive for coronavirus. They played the game on Saturday, on Sunday in Philadelphia despite four players or at that point three players in the morning testing positive. Still played the game and then it comes out now that more and more players tested positive after the game and the total number of cases uh, for the Marlins traveling party which is coaches, players, and staff members is 18 as we sit here today on July 30th. Not great. Not what Major League Baseball wanted. Probably Rob Manfred wouldn't say it, but I'll say it. The nightmare situation that Major League Baseball was stayed up at night for a while, fretting, worrying about it, hoping never came came to fruition. But there's one aspect here I kind of want to talk about because I want to frame it this way where I think 
actually could be a positive for Major League Baseball. And I want to give MLB credit for how they handled this entire situation. So Bob Nightingale, very respected Major League Baseball reporter, um, was on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh the other day. And when asked about, you know, how this outbreak started, right? Obviously, as we know, playing the pandemic, it's not that hard for a virus when you're not in a bubble, when you're still traveling to infiltrate a baseball team and spread around quickly. And he said from his sources, he was hearing that the virus actually originated because players went out in Atlanta when they were playing exhibition games against the Braves prior to going to Philadelphia and that they brought the virus back when they went out and that's how the team was infected. So hearing this, I should think if this is actually true, because we have yet to, to verify it, we've yet to have the Marlins come out and say this is true or have multiple reporters come out and back up what Bob Nightingale is saying. But if he's right, that one player, a group of small players went out in Atlanta when they shouldn't have, maybe weren't safe, weren't wearing a mask, weren't social distancing, caught the virus out at a club, at a bar, wherever they were, and brought it back into the rest of the team, and that's how it spread. I actually do think this is the best-case scenario for Major League Baseball, and I'll explain why, and I'll put it in this way. When you look at, like I just said, playing a pandemic, it's not that hard for the virus. When you're not in a bubble, when you're still traveling, and you're, you're not basically sealing yourself off from the rest of the world like hockey's doing and like basketball's doing, it's not that hard for the virus to infiltrate a clubhouse and spread around. And the virus infiltrated not because it's impossible to have sports played during a pandemic, not because the players were still taking precautions and it was an accidental exposure, whether you know, you're going on the bus, uh, the bus ride, maybe the bus driver had it, or a flight attendant was exposed, but you did all the right rules and you still just couldn't prevent it. It still happens, as we know, the spread still happens. And you did the best, but the pandemic always wins, the virus always wins. It's not because of that. Bob Nightingale is right. The virus spread because you had a few guys who didn't respect the rules and didn't take it seriously. Which, in my mind, why I say this is the best-case scenario is because that is controllable. Major League Baseball can implement rules, can implement uh, protocols and guidelines to make sure that doesn't happen again. You can control player habits. You can control player whereabouts and where they go for the most part. So that's how it happened. Because a few players weren't respecting the rules, weren't taking it seriously. That's more controllable and more in MLB's jurisdiction than is if you, you know, were safe, you still wore a mask, but yet the virus still infiltrated the clubhouse and spread around. So Major Baseball already started taking some protocols. They have essentially a monitor, a protocol monitor they just put in there to make sure that players are staying socially distant, wearing masks, doing the right thing. They've strongly encouraged players not to go out when they're on the road. Um, but to me, Major League Baseball, I mean, you gotta, you got to put the hammer down. Implement strict protocols and harsh, harsh, harsh punishments. Quarantine, and more importantly, as we know, money talks, fines. These are the only two things, in my mind at least, that will deter players from taking a risk going forward. You have to have the players and the team's held accountable money is the best way to do that so if a player breaks curfew if a player goes out when he's not supposed to find him you can't you can't mess around anymore you can't take any more risks because as you see the, the season was close i truly do think if so far not going we have yet to see the phillies get sick but if the phillies got sick if the marlins spread in the game the virus to the phillies major baseball would be in huge trouble so far the virus is only um, within the Marlins organization, no other organization. So Major League Baseball is supposed to use this opportunity to implement strict protocols and basically as much as possible put these guys in a bubble when they're on the road. 
Uh, look at the NBA. The NBA created a bubble. They basically, outside of a few Disney workers going in and out, aren't allowing anyone to come in, anyone to go out. And if you do, you have to quarantine for a few days because they don't want the virus coming in at all. They're trying to have as normal as possible of an ecosystem within the bubble. So that way you can live your life. You can do a few things. You can go golf. You can go fishing. You can go to restaurants and, and enjoy it while at the same time being safe because for the most part, the, the virus is outside of this bubble you created. As we see, for a second week in a row, no players have tested positive within the bubble. So it's working. But even the, uh, even the NBA, spending all this money, putting all these protocols in, and designing a bubble specifically to keep the virus out and have players also still be comfortable, they still, even with that, instituted punishments, instituted fines for players because they still don't trust them to follow the rules and not break and go outside the bubble. So if the NBA does all this effort, goes all through all this money, to build this basically as virus-proof bubble as possible, but yet they still have punishments in place for players because they still don't trust them to stay inside the bubble the entire time. Major Baseball cannot basically slap players on the wrist, slap organizations on the wrist. When you're putting the temptation out there, you're letting the teams travel. There's no restrictions of once you get to the hotel, if you really wanted to, you can go out to the club, you can go out to the bar, you can get a bite to eat. And the only way it comes back and bites you in the butt is if something like ha happened with the Marlins where you do test positive and you spread it around. So it's controllable for Major League Baseball that the virus spread from players not respecting the rules, but at the same time, you have to implement strict protocols and harsh punishments. Quarantine, because no one likes sitting in their hotel for 10 days or two weeks, even if it's plush, even if it's nice. It's still sitting in a room. That's not that big for 10 days or two weeks. is brutal. And hit them where it hurts in their, in their pockets. I mean, as we know, players are already making, what, 30% of what they're supposed to make this year? Hit them harder. You can't take a risk because as we see, one player or a group of small players decide to break the rules for a little bit, even for one night, they could take down almost the entire season. So while it is the best-case scenario currently for Major League Baseball, you can't take a risk. You have to use this as a chance to set the tone and now at least reset your rules, reset your protocols. Because this happened within the first weekend. So if you don't come down harsh, if you don't really tighten up, this baseball season is not going to happen. But I will say this. Now, I do want to give Major League Baseball credit. So I think they've handled this for the most part as well as they possibly could. So far, again, so far, because, again, as we know with these, with these tests, they show up, you know, the, the incubation period is two weeks. So two weeks from now, Phillies could start test positive in theory. But so far... The spread has just been contained to the Marlins. Zero players in the Phillies have tested positive. And also, just as importantly, since the season started Friday, so just about a week ago, right, as we're sitting here on Thursday, the Marlins are the only team with, positive, with new positive tests since then. 6,400 tests across all 30 teams have been done. Marlins are the only ones with new tests. So that's good. So at least you see so far, most teams are following the protocols. Most players are doing the right things. At least for one week, you see if these players actually respect the rules, this could work. Traveling could work. Not being in a bubble could work. Going home to see your family at night could work. If everyone does so. I'll give MLB more credit because I think, honestly, they do, do deserve a hat tip. 
I tweeted this on Monday. I said the show. I said this on the show on Monday. When it first came out that Major League Baseball is the first really sports league deal with an outbreak within a team, right? As you know, through all the testing during spring training, everyone for the most part was negative. And hockey and basketball starting up this weekend, they haven't had a situation where they have to deal with one team having an outbreak with multiple players getting sick on the same team. What happens? Major League Baseball obviously was the first one to deal with it, and that got me very nervous. Seeing how Major League Baseball is handled. I mean, what is it? Basically, every single situation that's come their way on the field, off the field, Astros punishments, pace of play, getting the season off and running. They have bungled. They have screwed up. They have made it as difficult as possible to watch baseball, to get behind baseball and support baseball. So I can't lie. When you see that Major League Baseball now is going to be the first without any precedent set before by any other league. They're going to be the first to deal with this. I got very nervous. I had zero faith that Rod Manfred, the owners of Major League Baseball, could actually handle us the right way. And I will give them a lot of credit. I will tip my hat. I thought they handled everything from an operation standpoint very smoothly. I love that they are preventing the Marlins from playing until at least Monday. So at least, at least one week removed from every other team as, as they try to obviously get the virus under control on their own team. And it could even last longer. So I love that. Don't take a risk. Just, just take the team and put them to the side. We see with the MLS, they created a bubble. They kicked two teams out of the bubble. Kicked them out. See, your season's over. So I like that Major League Baseball isolated the Marlins. I really do like, too, because I think this was an area I was worried about. But I like how they're extra precautious with the Phillies. Now the Phillies aren't going to play till Saturday. And from epidemiologists that I've read about, we have MLB reporters. Um, Jason Stark does a great podcast on The Athletic. He had an epidemiologist on the show this week, and he was saying that the Phillies, you need about four or five days to see if the spread would happen from the Marlins to the Phillies. You know, only two weeks, he said about four or five days, you'd start seeing positive tests come in from the Phillies that they were exposed and the virus was transmitted somehow from the Marlins to the Phillies. So I love how baseball listened, listened, to, their, to, the, to the experts, to those who know best, and decided to, okay, we're going we're gonna to prevent the Phillies from playing until Saturday. So they have almost a full week off as well. So the Marlins are out, the Phillies are out, and they showed great flexibility. Rotating right away, putting the Yankees and the Orioles, the two teams that were supposed to play, the Marlins and the Phillies, and they put them together to play. No reason to punish the Yankees or punish the, the Orioles and basically have them sit on the couch for a week when they had nothing to do with with the virus, no exposure to the virus. And they put them and just put a series together just like that. So I, I'm very impressed, and that's what MLB has to have. That's what every league has to have, flexibility like that. One or two teams get sick, okay, these two teams that were supposed to play, but the games got canceled because the other team was sick, boom, we'll, play, we'll put these two together. That, that was great. Even Dr. Fauci, the face of the coronavirus here, has been impressed. He was talking to the ESPN Daily Podcast yesterday, and this is, what, this is his quote when he was looking at how like, Major League Baseball handled the Marlins situation, the Philly situation, and, and taking extra precautions. He said MLB, quote, handles it well, to be honest with you, in that they've done virtually everything that you could do to get to... <laughs> I'll read it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> not the best reader. I, really, I try not to read many quotes. One, because it sounds better when you have uh, the person actually saying it, but two, my reading comprehension skills, I'm not going to lie, aren't great. And my uh, main job at CBS Sports Radio, I do read on the air a lot. does not go well. Uh, spoiler alert, does not go well. Try it again. Dr. Fauci and Major League Baseball is handling of the virus this week with the, with the outbreak on the Marlins. Quote, MLB, or MLB, quote, handled it well, to be honest with you, in that they've done virtually everything that you could do to get to the main goal. 
that was to protect the health and the welfare of players and the personnel associated with the team. He's given his hat tip. Mr. Coronavirus himself has given a hat tip to Major League Baseball for how they handled it. Putting player safety first. Making sure that players aren't at risk and that they're being safe and not reckless. So to me, hearing that the virus potentially was contracted by players not respecting the rules, something you can control, and seeing the way Major League Baseball handled it, putting the Marlins off to the side, putting the Phillies off to the side, rescheduling games between the Yankees and the Orioles that were canceled. This is a good sign, at least for Major League Baseball, right away. Obviously not ideal. And we'll give them a lot of credit. I thought they handled this the best way they possibly could so far in a time that's unprecedented, and there's no book. There is no outline saying this is what happens if this happens. If an outbreak happens, this is what you should do. So they're making it up as they go. It could be scary, but so far through the first week, I commend MLB for how they've handled it. Because really, when you look at it, when you listen to epidemiologists, when you kind of just look at the whole landscape of the country and the best way to mitigate the spread of the virus, the best hope for Major League Baseball to continue and finish the season, it's time. It's time. And they at least bought themselves time by putting the Marlins off to the side, preventing the Phillies from playing until we know for the most part, as, as almost guaranteed as you could possibly know, if players are sick or not. You were given the virus time, you are given the players time to see who's sick or who's not. So I commend MLB for not putting the rest of the league at risk, for honestly getting out ahead of it as much as you possibly can, and preventing the season from going down after the first weekend. So I'm curious. Now that, you, now that you see an outbreak happen, the first weekend, you see a scale already. With an outbreak, and now 18 Marlins coaches and players are sick. What's your confidence level that MLB can finish? What is it? Scale 1 to 10. What's your confidence level? What's your feeling? You know, that one weekend in, you already have one team have a major outbreak and have to be quarantined for a week. And I'm curious, too, if this is true, where the Marlins went out to party, went out, let's say, to a, a place that wasn't socially distant, wasn't respecting the rules, they weren't wearing masks, whatever. The players went out, and that's how they contracted the virus. I'm curious, does that make you more or less of a believer that this season can continue? For me, it's more. So like I said, that's the one area you can actually control. So it makes me more of a believer the season can continue and finish because if it's players that aren't respecting the rules, you can, you can put – protocols in there you could put punishments in there that fix that behavior that curb that thinking i think that would be the best case scenario for major League baseball so i'm curious what's your confidence level scale one to ten that major League baseball can finish our season we'll, we'll get your thoughts whether it's on facebook whether it's on twitter when we come back major League baseball we'll stick with major League baseball they can't have it both ways i'll explain what i mean when we come back it is the morning boys ryan hickey right here on the world Wide sports radio network it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. As Beth writes in on Facebook, she questions, do the Marlins, do they go to the same place as Lou Williams? 
Those Magic City wings. They are apparently to, to die for. Um, if you're ever in the area, Atlanta, they, that is a... Um, I guess the, the ladies that are dancing are very nice in Magic City, but even better than that is the wings. Ask Lou Williams and ask a lot of people that rushed to his defense this week as uh, Lou Williams was in Atlanta for a funeral and uh, was supposed to come back to the NBA bubble, decides for a night, quick little stopover at a strip club, not to admire the talent there, not to have a good time, blow up some steam, but to get some wings. And if you've been on social media a lot, you're just typing Magic City, you'll see a lot, a lot of um, of uh, backing up, I should say, for Lou Williams, because those wings, the pictures look delicious, and a lot of anecdotes say those wings are the best wings ever. So I'm not sure, to be honest, how a strip club in Atlanta has basically the best wing recipe, maybe in the whole country. But hey, I mean, good for these Marlins players. They, they want to figure it out. They hear, hey, Lou Williams is, is trying to, we got to go here. I mean, that's, you know, what can you say? You got you to gotta figure it out. You got to get down to business. Who truly is telling the truth here? We got to uh, taste these wings if they're that good. Um, and maybe, maybe that, that's why the mall decided to scamper out for a night and uh, break uh, so quote unquote quarantine and get the virus to uh, the rest of their players. So it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting philosophy. Can't rule that out. Um, and she also writes in talking about, I said, I can't have my reading comprehension skills aren't great. Um, Beth being the teacher that she is, corrects me. It's the reading fluency skills. Look at that. I can't even speak correctly. I can't read. I can't speak. Two great qualities and traits to have if you want to get into sports talk radio. Crushing both. So thank you, Beth, for putting us in the straight now. Reading fluency skills. I apologize. And maybe she's correct. Maybe one of these Marlins players will come out and tell the truth. They went to Magic City to test the wings to really put Lou Williams's tail to, uh, to test there. So if you, have you ever had Magic City Wings, I'm very curious. Facebook, World Art Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. All those wings, the best wings you've ever had. Because um, from what it sounds like, it, it is. So we'll, we will see there. Um, and also, um, what is your confidence level that baseball can be finished? One through ten. Obviously, they have a, a terrible scare at the Marlins. But um, so far, it looks like they've isolated the spread just to the one team. They put the Marlins off to the side. They put the Phillies off to the side. And so far, they've resumed, I thought, in a quick way, in a safe way, that could, if, if they continue this path, at least will give, uh, give hope, gives me hope, at least, that the, the season can continue and the season can, more importantly, finish. So get your thoughts. I do want to stick with baseball here because, for me, Major League Baseball was speaking out of both sides of their mouth recently and drives me crazy, drives the fans crazy, and it drove Twitter yesterday into, uh, into a mess. And that is because the Astros and the Dodgers met Tuesday and Wednesday. That's... Noteworthy, because in case you missed it, the Astros over, uh, over the offseason came out through Mike Fires speaking to The Athletic and great reporting. The Astros in 2017 were using cameras to decipher signs. Um, we're still literally stealing signs and then relaying them in real time through banging a trash can. So the catcher puts down a one for a fastball. The Astros would bang on a trash can one time, and that way the player heard it, knew a fastball was coming. And that's how, you know, part of the reason why they went all the way to the World Series and won it. And now they came out in the offseason. Their opponent in the 2017 World Series was the Dodgers. And this is the first time, because of the coronavirus, because of the pandemic, um, and because of the new schedule, that the Dodgers were able to meet the Astros in a regular season game. And Joe Kelly, a reliever for the Dodgers, took it into his own hands, took fate into his own hands, um, and threw behind the head of Alex Bregman, threw a few curveballs by the head of Carlos Correa, and then after he struck Correa out, was mimicking him, was talking smack to him, and made a frowny face that I think will replace the Jordan crying meme now 
for, uh, for weeks and years on end. And Major League Baseball responded by suspending Joe Kelly eight games. Eight games out of 60, which would equal 22 games in a full season. Think about that. 22 games for a pitcher who didn't even make contact with any of the Astros players. We'll see. Joe Kelly's appealing that. We'll see what happens. But currently right now, MLB suspends Joe Kelly for eight out of 60 games. And the reason why I say Major League Baseball can have both ways is because I look at this. Major League Baseball, in their decision not to punish the Astros players who cheated, in their decision to only punish the organization, which led to the firing of A.J. Hinch, the manager, led to the firing of Jeff Luna, the general manager, led to a, a fine for Jim Crane, the owner, and took away a few draft picks. Their decision not to punish the Astros players, which again, to me, I don't want to rehash it, but I will say quickly, I actually do agree with that decision. I think you're opening up a can of worms if you cheat, because uh, I do believe at least every major baseball is cheating in one way or another. I find it hard-pressed that 29 teams are following the rules and one team is cheating so egregiously. But again, that's another discussion for another day. But their decision not to punish the players, hold them accountable, meant that because the league didn't, the players would. So major baseball has to know this is coming. Because as soon as they made their announcement of the punishments, which was this one-year suspension of the manager and general manager, a fine and, and loss of draft picks, the players were the furious, the media was furious, fans were furious, and you had to know the biggest storyline coming into the first spring training before coronavirus was even a thing, before the pandemic threatened the season. The first thing everyone was watching was, our pitcher is going to throw up and into the Astros players, our Astros players going to get hit. I think we all, for the most part, accepted it. We all wanted to see it happen. So Major Baseball knew this was coming. Major Baseball basically put the wheels in motion for this happening because they didn't hold the players accountable. So the players are upset. If the players feel like they were cheated, if you cheated, basically you can get away with it. And that the organization, the manager, the general manager were the scapegoats, but the players really were the ones who should have been punished and weren't. You have to know that this is happening. You have to know that pitchers are going to take it into their own hands. Teams are going to now play the Astros with an even bigger edge and try to get even because they feel Major League Baseball didn't get even. They, got, they won a World Series, confirmed on the record cheating, and nothing happened, which just sets an awful, awful precedent. Because guess what? Now it pays to cheat. So if Major League Baseball didn't want this to happen, if Major League Baseball wanted to truly protect the Astros players, if they didn't want them, if they didn't want headhunting, if they didn't want situations like this to arise, they would have just punished the players. Because I'll be honest, I don't think Joe Kelly is throwing at the head of Alex Bregman. I don't think he's throwing curveballs buzzing the tower of Carlos Correa and Yuli Gurriel if these players are punished. If it's, whether it's a one-year suspension, 80 games, 60 games, 50 games, whatever it is. Whenever you know Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, George Springer, whenever they return to the field, I honestly don't think that they have to worry about getting buzzed up and in. But because that didn't happen, because Major League Baseball chose to punish the organization and not the players, you have to know that retaliation is coming. As we know, the, the players love policing themselves. It's really part of the unwritten rules of baseball. And to me, I actually do like that system. I think it works. I think the threat of getting a fastball to the ribs or a fastball to the lower back is a good deterrent 
for maybe whether it's barking at players, whether it's coming in hard at a base, or if you want to play hard, if you want to play tough, you know that's coming. If your pitcher maybe is getting too close to a few players, someone else on your team is going to pay the price for it. I think it works well. I think the game, for the most part, policing itself works well. And this is part of that now. This is part of it because Major League Baseball did not punish the players themselves. So the players feel like it's on them to really make the Astros pay for cheating. So Major League Baseball can't have it both ways when they don't punish the Astros, players, excuse me, but basically, they let the players walk off, maybe a slap on the wrist at best, have a little shame. But then the other side, get mad when players retaliate. I'm sorry, you can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. I think about it. Joe Kelly, after he threw high and in, way behind Alex Bregman's head, that could, you, you're not misconstruing that pitch. It didn't slip. He threw that on purpose. It was 3 no, He threw it high and a little bit outside, or a little inside, I should say, to Alex Bregman. Sailed right over his head. There's no mistaking that. Threw a few curveballs up and in, okay. But there's no warning given. He was not ejected. And after the bench is cleared, for the most part, again, there's still no warnings given. There's no ejections that happen. So how can you come back? And then suspend him for eight games. And again, eight games out of 162 would be 22 games in the equivalent. That's a massive suspension. Like I said, you can't have both ways. You can't. Let the players walk free and at the same time get upset when other players want to retaliate. It's one or the other. Major League Baseball made their own bet. When they decided to punish the organization, not the players, you now you have to line it. You have to live with now you put you as Major League Baseball, you as Rob Manfred, put the Astros players at risk of getting hit, of getting injured. And you got to live with that. So either punish the Astros, which they refuse to do, or live with the consequences then of other players getting their own retribution. Can't have it both ways where you want to not punish the Astros and then get mad at players trying to get their own revenge. Can't do it. One or the other. Major League Baseball chose to let the players go. So you got to live with throwing high and in. You got to live with a few baseballs to the back if you're in Major League Baseball. So I hope with Joe Kelly re, uh, appealing the suspension, it's knocked down significantly. I mean, hopefully to zero. I understand you can't headhunt. I understand, you know, obviously if the pitch slips or you're trying to go for the lower back and it slips a little bit, it gets high and inside. We're talking about some serious stuff here. But this is the bed Major League Baseball made. Time to line it. So I'm curious, you know, if you missed it or if you saw it on social media, um, do you have a problem with, with pitchers throwing at Astro hitters? Because Major League Baseball obviously does. I'm curious, as a fan, especially if you're a fan of the other 29 teams, Yankees, even, even, you know, myself as a Mets fan, I wasn't too affected. It's, it's more the principle, but if you're a Yankees fan, if you're a Dodgers fan, if you're an Indians fan, if you're, you know, any team in, in the AL West or the AL Central that's lost to the Astros in the past, this is a team that was very confident in the media, very cocky of their accomplishments in the last few years, and now you, you realize it's all a sham. So I'm curious, do you have a problem with, with pitchers throwing and Astro hitters? We'll get your thoughts, whether it's on Facebook, World Life Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, WWSRN underscore radio. And when we come back, the NBA resumes tonight. Jazz Pelicans, the return of Zion. Lakers Clippers. You have LeBron, AD, looks like he's going to play with a scratched cornea, but it sounds like he's going to sue up and play tonight. The NBA returns tonight for their seeding games. And as we know, there's not much parity in the NBA. So to do a preview 
of the NBA playoffs and the NBA bubble, to be honest, it would just be the preview of who's going to win Clippers or Lakers and which of those teams could they beat the Bucs. So I want to look at it from this perspective. If it's not going to be the Bucs, if it's not going to be the Lakers, if it's not going to be the Clippers, which team, one in each conference I have, who could be the best Cinderella story? Who could be that one team to make some noise, pull an upset or two, make a run to the finals, maybe even win the finals? One, I have, I have one that I think is going to be surprising. I'll let you know who it is when the morning boys arrive to give a turn right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's time to wake up with the morning boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. We are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network talking a lot because guess what? We have an abundance of sports again. You have the NBA starting tonight. You have the NHL returning uh, over the or upcoming this weekend, I should say. And obviously Major League Baseball is in full swing and still rolling on with the first week of the season. If you have uh, any thoughts on whether who the best quarter, uh, best quarterback, best player in the NFL, as we discussed that to start the show, uh, the NFL players say to Lamar Jackson, I thought it wasn't even a conversation. I thought it was easily... Patrick Mahomes, but the NFL players say, no, 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 it's Lamar Jackson. And then Russell Wilson, not even Patrick Mahomes after that. They think he's the fourth best player. So who is the best player in the NFL? Taking your thoughts. To me, it's Patrick Mahomes, not even close. And now we're talking about um, pitchers, major league baseball pitchers, throwing at Astros hitters. Would you be okay seeing pitchers throw directly um, at Astros hitters, obviously for retribution, for the cheating that happened in 2017, in 2018, and who knows before that? How long it happened is Major League Baseball said no, no, no to Joe Kelly after he tried to get his own retribution. They suspended him for eight out of the 60 games, which this is a regular season would be 22. Unheard of. Unprecedented. So we'll see what happens. But I just would love your thoughts. If you watch it happen, if you felt pumped for Joe Kelly, if you think the suspension is ridiculous, let me know. Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. If you want to me directly, Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. And if you go there, Ryan underscore Hickey, the number three, my personal Twitter handle. I thought this. I tweeted this picture right before the show. I don't know if it's just me. As you heard earlier, I had a tough time reading. So maybe it's just my reading fluency skills. There you go, Beth. Um, are just awful. But I recently got a parking ticket from New York City. The, the, the merit of the parking ticket, is, it's its own story. It's absurd. Absurd. But I sent an appeal and got the letter of appeals back the other day. And the decision was affirmed, but they wrote an explanation. They wrote it in script. I literally legitimately can't read it. Just tweeted out just about an hour or so ago, um, Ryan underscore the number three. I tweeted a picture out of the decision that they sent me and the written in script. It was in script writing, the explanation. And honestly, no hyperbole, no joke here. I, I read two words. Two of the, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Thirteen words they wrote for the explanation. Two illegible. I've put it out on Twitter. I've gotten a few responses. Everyone so far seems to agree it's not legible. Now, also, everyone agrees that I think my appeal was denied, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's just, I want to also just know the explanation. I can't even understand why it was denied. Decision affirmed is the only two words I can look at. I'm assuming they mean affirmed. The A looks like specifically like an O. But other than that, 
it is honestly the first two sentences are illegible. So I don't understand, first of all, why people are still allowed to write in script. Honestly, after like second grade, I'm not really sure who still writes in cursive, writes in script, and, and understands it. I don't even know why we practice writing a script. Is, is it supposed to save time? But how much time is it saving if the person that you write the letter to can't even read it? Honestly, if, one, if this was a, a card or one of my friends like, wrote a letter to me, I would text them right back saying, what, what the hell are you writing? What are you saying? It would just ruin the entire time or all that time that they was quote-unquote saved because you can say, you know, write a little bit faster with script would be lost. It seems, I mean, again, it's, I don't understand why I didn't even realize, honestly, script is still a thing because, I mean, not that many people write letters anymore, but still, you know, no one's really writing script. So that was, to me, ridiculous, Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three, if you want to go see the letter and try to transcribe what it said. Three sentences, I got two words out of it. Thirteen words, I got two that were legible, that made sense. So please help me out. Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three, what the hell is New York City... Department of, of Transportation writing. What is our explanation as to why that my ticket was revoked? I would love any answers because, like I said, two of the 13 words I made out, the other 11, I have no clue. Outside of the decision being affirmed, which means my appeal was rejected. So if we're not talking about script writing, if we're not talking about cursive, I do want to talk some NBA because the NBA does resume today. So you have Jazz Pelicans to start, and then tonight you have Lakers Clippers in these seeding games that make our way, get the seedings, uh, the eight games set, so that way we have our, our seedings for once we um, get to the playoffs, and then we'll have some fun. So, like I said, there, there's not much parity when it comes to the NBA playoffs, let's be honest. Baseball, I think it's truly anyone's game. Hockey, truly anyone's game. NFL, anything can happen, any given Sunday. Basketball is the one sport. Where you get to the playoffs, the first round's a snooze fest. Outside of the 4-5 matchup, there's not many upsets. The better teams always, always win. So to be honest, it'd be disingenuous or quite honestly boring to do a full NBA bubble preview of the seeding games of the playoffs and give my predictions. Because guess what? I'm giving you one of two predictions, really one of three predictions, that everyone else is going to make. Either Clippers-Bucks, either Lakers-Bucks, and then you can alternate who wins. That's it. Bucks are going to win. Clippers are going to win. Lakers are going to win. And whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers, they're going to beat the Bucks. That, that is the only, only predictions that are going to be out there that are going to make them on sense you can get behind. So let's get a little nuts. Let's get a little crazy. Right? So if it can't be one of those three teams, if it can't, who, which NBA team do you think in your mind could be at the Cinderella story? Who can make a run? Which team is most equipped to pull off an upset? Shock the world. Maybe go to a conference finals. Go to a finals. Win the finals. I think there are only two teams. One in the East, one in the West that are capable of doing so. I'll start with the East. To me, it's the Raptors. The Raptors currently, before the shutdown, 46-18. and 18. They're a second behind the Bucks. I have three reasons why I think the Raptors are able to beat the Bucks and go on and defend. Let's not forget, defend their title and go back-to-back. -back. Number one, defense. They are insanely, insanely good at preventing teams from scoring. Lowest points per game allowed, 106. Second lowest opponent field goal percentage allowed. The lowest opponent three-point percentage allowed. Second best defensive rating. So they don't allow points. They cause a lot of missed shots, both from the floor and from three. And the overall, they have the second best defensive rating. Defense is going to be huge. Because think about it. We have a four-month layoff. 
This is almost like essentially the season getting restart again. Starting over. Defense is going to be huge because guys are still working on their shots, even though that, you know, if you, you've had a hoop in your home, it's still different. It's still lacking, you know, there's no intensity that they're used to. Defense is going to be major, major, majorly important. To me, the Raptors, there's really no one better. Having that defense is going to be huge, especially when you're going against Giannis, especially when you have all the shooters on the floor that the Bucs have. Defense is going to be massive. So I love, love, love the defense that the Raptors have. Number two, I think this is, this is where, to me, the Raptors have the biggest edge of all the NBA, of every team in the bubble. To me, the Raptors have the biggest edge in this aspect, coaching. Nick Nurse so far has done an incredible job in the two years he's been at the helm of making adjustments and playing with the hand that he's dealt. Think about it. Last year, they trade for Kawhi Leonard. The guy plays two-thirds of the, the regular season. He's load-managed what it feels like every other night. He played that to perfection. He seamlessly rotated Kawhi into the lineup, out of the lineup. The team didn't miss a beat. They still won when he was sitting on the floor, or sitting out, excuse me. Not to mention, you think, with all those games that Kawhi misses, it's tough to get continuity. It's tough to get on the same page when now all of a sudden you miss, you're so used to playing without him. Now the plus he's playing every game. He's playing 40 minutes a night. He, Nick Nurse seamlessly inserted both Kawhi in a, into the lineup and out of the lineup and got the best of his team when Kawhi was on the floor and was on the floor. And think about it. So you had to de- deal with that last year as a, as a first-year coach, mind you. Then Kawhi leaves, as we know, goes to the Clippers. So you lose the finals MVP from your team. And the Raptors still haven't skipped a beat. Again, the second in the East, 46-18. and 18. He's been able to cater his lineup great. He's elevated Pascal Siakam's game. And honestly, with these w- weird circumstances, with these unorthodox circumstances, we're going to have a champion that I think a lot of people are saying you put a Nashrisk on because that's, that champion is going to earn it more than anyone else has in the past. And I would agree with that. Coming off a four-month layoff, coming off an, uh, an environment where you're going to have no fans and it's the weirdest you ever played in your entire professional life. The weirdest final circumstances we'll ever see, hopefully. Knock on wood. Again, I'm doing a lot of knock on wood today, but knock on wood, this is the weirdest final circumstances we've ever have to see. How many coaches, honestly, out there would you rather have than Nick Nurse? Guy who's, again, who's great at making adjustments, who's great at going to flow and dealing with the handies dealt, like I said. There's not many. There, there's getting better you know, strategy coaches, better coaches that maybe they draw better plays. Maybe get a little more out of their players. I mean, you still have, you know, Mike Budenholzer is a great coach. You still have Greg Popovich in the bubble. There's some just great overall coaches. Brad, Brad Stevens is an offensive genius. But with the circumstances that are being dealt with by these teams, with coaches constantly having to basically do things that are unorthodox and out of the box, I love Nick Nurse more than anyone else. I think he has the skills that will make the Raptors one of the toughest teams to get out, and they will be the best um, equipped to handle these just awkward at best circumstances. And not to mention, I'll go one, one last thing here. Is why I think the Raptors are the team in the East that could uh, that could be the Cinderella team. Familiarity, like that, that's that is huge. Continuity and familiarity. When you're off for four months, restarting, and basically now you have eight games to get congealed, to get back on the same page because the playoffs start right away. ESPN put out the, the story the other day, and they did a continuity percentage of, of each team returned to the bubble, and they calculated it by the percent of minutes played across the last two seasons by players on the current roster. So of the players on the current roster right now that are in the bubble, because remember, you have a ton of players opting out on all, all different teams and that are also injured. So right now on the players on the active roster, 
What percent of minutes have they all played together in some aspect? The Raptors are fourth in the NBA in returning of continuity with 78.3. So they're familiar with each other, which to me is going to be huge in getting off to a fast start, which you need to get off to a fast start. You can't get off slow. I understand that probably it looks like seeding-wise play the Magic in the first round. Should win that one. But one or two games, as we know, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're in a different boat here. You got to get on the same page. You got to do it quickly. I love the familiarity of the Raptors. I love their coach, Nick Nurse, and their defense is one of the best in the NBA. So for me, those three categories are the, the reason why I'm going with the Raptors. I think that's the one that's not going to be an unpopular pick, to be honest. I don't trust the Celtics too much. I think they have a lot of talent. I just don't think they're there on that level yet of the Bucks. I like the Heat. They're a nice story. They're very young. There's really no other team in the East that's, that's anywhere close. So the Raptors aren't exactly going out of the box here. Not a crazy selection. Um, I'll say that. If you're talking one Cinderella team, everyone, for the most part, is going to pick the Raptors. But the team that I want to go in the West really quick here, that I'm picking that, I'm, I think that's going to raise some eyebrows, the Houston Rockets, and here's why. Styles make fights, right? As we, I think as we know that. Styles do make fights. Since the Rockets have gone a small ball, basically they have just gotten rid of the center. They're going to shoot threes. And that's about it. They've averaged 115 points per game. In that span, they've beaten the Lakers. They've beaten the Celtics twice. So they have the most unconventional brand of basketball of anyone in the bubble. I think that uniqueness, that style that they play, that is so different than every other one else. You're not dealing with a center. So you have five guys on the floor that can run, that can get out, that can shoot, that, attack, that can attack the basket. I think that uniqueness, that difference could lend favor to pulling off a few upsets. Not to mention, coming off a four-month layoff, is it possible rest could help solve James Harden's playoff woes? So as we know, James Harden is a guy that has the ball in his hands a lot, and he's on the floor a lot. In four years, Mike D'Antoni has been the head coach of the Rockets. This is James Harden's usage percentage, which is basically the percent of how many times does he have the ball uh, per each offensive position, how many times is the ball in his hand. Shooting, passing, turnovers, and how much minutes per game is he averaging in the league? This year, second in usage rate, second in minutes per game in the league. Last year, first in usage rate, third in minutes per game. 2017-2018, first in usage rate, 15th in minutes per game. And then his first year back in 2016, seventh in usage rate, seventh in minutes per game. James Harden is playing a ton of minutes every single night. And when he is playing minutes, he has the ball in his hand a ton. A ton. I think that does have an effect on why... All of a sudden, he gets to the playoffs and he can't shoot. I think he has tired legs, and especially for a three-point shooter, that does hurt you. And you look at, say, again, in the four years that Mike D'Antoni's been there, you look at his field goal percentage and his three-point field goal percentage in the postseason compared to the regular season. The postseason has always been lower than it has in the regular season. So I wonder, is tired legs to blame? Part of the reason. You know, not the whole reason. Part of the reason. And if so... Well, no better time to have four months off right now and go full, you know, full throttle than right now. So I think James Harden should be more energetic. He's slimmed down. His legs should be you know, rejuvenated and rested. Maybe that will lead to more shots falling. And to me, when I look at the overall landscape of the West, when it comes to knocking off the Clippers and or the Lakers, to me, the, the Rockets have the highest ceiling of any of the teams left. I understand they're very boom or bust. And their highs are very high, and the lows are very, very, very low. But the Nuggets, 
I just honestly, I don't think that they're there. I still think they're a piece or two away. There's still too much talent on the Lakers and the Clippers for the Nuggets to overcome. The Jazz clearly not talented enough. Thunder and Magic, I mean, excuse me, Thunder and the Mavericks, both are just too young. I love the talent on both, but they are way too young to make any sort of threat here. So you look around, the Rockets are the only logical choice here. And I do think if they are clicking, if James Harden truly needed rest and that was the biggest cause for his postseason drop in production, and if their style, because it's so unique, because so it's so unorthodox, because they basically ditched the modern-day center, screw it, we're going to put P.J. Tucker in there. I do think that that style is unique enough to, go, to give teams some headaches. We're already saying they beat the Lakers. You don't have to worry about Anthony Davis. I mean, Anthony Davis had a great game, but they still were able to overcome that and beat the Lakers. They beat the Celtics twice since going to small ball. So it has worked. We'll see if it can work going to the playoffs. So I have the, the Rockets out of the West, the Raptors out of the East. If we're not taking the Clippers, if we're not taking the Lakers, if we're not taking the Bucks, which team in the NBA, which team in the East, which team in the West could make a Cinderella run? I'm going the Rockets. I'm going the Raptors. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts? Which team is in the best position to make an upset? Pull Cinderella. We love Cinderella's in NCAA basketball. March Madness, we live for those, you know, 4-13 upsets. We live for that 15 seed making a run. Right? You remember the Florida Gulf Coasts. You remember the, uh, um, the George Masons. We don't really see it too much in the NBA. This restart, this unique circumstances, I think, lends itself best to having a Cinderella run. Which team is most likely to capitalize and make that run themselves? Uh, we'll get it on Facebook, on Twitter, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And when we come back, 2020 Apocalypse, Final Four. We have three positions filled. We're looking for the fourth. We'll do it when the morning boys run a gear turn right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's time to wake up with the morning boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. We are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is 1020, which means, as you know, every single show, Monday and Thursday at 1020, we have the great 2020 Apocalypse Tournament. We've had a great regular season, a very intriguing, intense regular season. And now we had 20 competitors. We knocked it down to 10, knocked it down to 8. Now we already have three of the Final Four set. We are looking for one more to join the Final Four and get closer to entering to the first place prize a great heavyweight matchup today. Two guys. I think that if of all the competitors that have, have played so far, I think Know My Mind the best, which as we saw for both Cody and Rob, that worked out and got them in the tournament in the first place. We'll start with the two seed. Mr. Mr. NFL himself, the guy who's making the call of whether the player or not is the great Cody Enos. Cody, what is going on? What's going on, Hickey? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still disappointed in myself that I didn't go five for five the first time, but... I'm ready for some redemption time and uh, ready to take my spot in the Final Four. You are, Look at that. The confidence is there. A lot of people come on nervous. Not Cody. He brushes off the nerves. He is ready to go. He is laser focused as he will take on the eighth seed. The upstart. So far, I told this man, we haven't had many upsets. It's been mostly chalk so far. The one seed has advanced. The five seed has advanced. And the three seed has advanced. Could we get an upset here? Could we get the eighth seed? The Cinderella stories. We just talked about the NBA. 
talking about who could be the Cinderella team in the restart in the bubble that could win. We are looking at a Cinderella man himself right now, the eighth seed, the great Rob Young. Rob, what is up, stud? What's going on, Hickey? Nobody does introductions like you. Really appreciate, you know, having me back on. And this will be my first career Final Four birth. Um, first one in my life, so I'm really hoping, you know, that, that we get there. And who doesn't want an eight seed in the Final Four, right? I'm hoping to uh, just bust everyone's brackets. I was just going to say, Rob, I'm sure, is the fan favorite. We all love upsets. We all love Cinderella stories. The eight seed. Look at that. Rob trying to just bring some upstart. We, we thought we had that with Mike as the 10 seed, who had a few upsets on Monday. But, unfortunately, the number one seed, Joe Pidell, did knock him off. But here we go. The last chance for all you fans of March Madness to root for an underdog, to root for Cinderella, it is Rob as the number eight seed, which would make Cody the villain, which we all love. We all love the hero. We all love the villain. We have Dude, that right now. Chalk. <laughs> chalk is always good. We will hey, play we've, been on the, we've been on the pine for a while too, right, Cody? When's the last time you uh, you, you played? It's been it's been a couple weeks, definitely. So I'm a little rusty. That okay, that is we'll a, see it. a rest great or point. rust. That's always the question, right? Rest That's or true. rust. <laughs> You see, that is true. Each person comes out differently. Cody's been on the shelf for a while. Rob, at least if you played in, in the playing round, you're right. So you are fresh. You are new. We'll see if Cody can, uh, like I said, brush off the ice, brush off the rust here. So, fellas, obviously, as you hear, you're both on the line at the same time. Since Cody is the higher seed, he will answer first every other question. Sorry, number one. So Cody will go first. Rob will go first for number two. Cody will go first for number three and vice versa. Best score out of five wins. And we will go from there. So, fellas, any questions? Are you ready to go? Ready to go. Okay. Born ready. Let's go. Silence is golden. Number one, Cody, we'll start with you. McDonald's is launching a contest where they will give one person $1 million if they eat 1 million chicken nuggets in a calendar year. Is that 2020 or apocalypse? Um, you know, I don't know Rob's strategy. I didn't listen to him, but mine was trying to go into, inside the mind of Hickey see where he could think i don't know i mean 2020 the economic has a the economic has an impact on everyone this year i don't think mcdonald's can just be handing out a million dollars i'm gonna say that is apocalypse not true all right cody is going apocalypse rob you heard you heard cody's thinking you heard his philosophy does that change your approach at all so cody you're a penn state guy right absolutely <laughs> So do you have the same exact strategy as your fellow Penn State alumni, Teddy? Um, so I okay. guess, you know, when your oh, boys that is that. that is right. So I see some consistency there. Didn't work out for Teddy, so we'll see, you know, if, if that strategy pays off here. Or maybe you just know Hickey better than Teddy. Um, so I would I would agree with Cody's assessment. Uh, how I look at it is a, a paying someone a million dollars to get a million chicken nuggets, good chance that person would die and then you know you have a lawsuit and you're probably gonna lose money than actually more than the million dollars so based on that i would have to say and, and hey i want to say too i always say true or false so i'm going to try my best not to do that this round um so i'm going to go i'm going to agree with cody i think that's also apocalypse so i just did the math really quick here do you know how many chicken nuggets you'd have to eat if uh, per day if you wanted to uh to get that hold on Make sure I'm doing this right here. I mean, we took a couple economic classes together, Hickey. I don't think neither of our math is the there best. There we go. So, uh, I know. Is it, is it like 3,000? It would be 2,739 chicken nuggets per day get to a million what? chicken nuggets in one calendar year. With that said, you both are correct. It is apocalypse. It is not true. 
There is no million dollar for a million chicken nugget giveaway by McDonald's. Cody, you're right in the economics. Rob, you're right overall with the mindset and the philosophy as well. And you two, both off to a hot start. One for one. Rob, you will go first for number two. Are you ready, sir? Yeah. A Houston strip club has gotten creative by setting up a tent outside where patrons can drive their cars through, park next to a woman who is dancing on a pole, and enjoy the show for a max of two songs. Is that a real business plan? <laughs> is this a real thing? Or is this made up in 2020? No more, no less two songs. Wow. Um, and you said <laughs> strict, strict two song limit in Houston. Yes. Uh, I don't want to give away too much to to persuade Cody in, in one way or the other. Um, but I will say that is a 2020 story, a.k.a. true. Rob is going true 2020. Cody? Is the Houston Strip Club really doing a basically drive through edition? If this was a Tampa Strip Club, I'd be more convinced <laughs> that it's true. I, I know what they're like down there. But I know Houston gets a little wild, too. And I feel like I have heard something about this in the news. I, I'm going to say 2022. I hate to agree with, with the competitor, but, but I think this is true. You both are a bunch in agreement here. You both say Apocalypse for number one. You both say 2020 for number two. And you both would be correct. It is a true story. This is a real business plan. And, hey, you know, I guess if you can't go in, especially in Houston, you can't go in. Might as well just go outside. And uh, the, the, the two-song limit, I think, is very funny. Stay in your car. Everyone's wearing masks, by the way. But can't stay for more than two songs. You two are crushing it. Two for two hey, you know, so far. Hey, Hick, you know, you got to do what you can to make some money in these times. That's it. You know, <laughs> let, let, and, let everyone work. Stimulating the economy, that's right. Letting the strippers work, get out there, and make some money. You know, can't 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 fault them for that. Totally right. You're right. You got we gotta jumpstart the economy. This is a great way to do so. So congrats to the ladies, congrats to the uh, the strip club owner, and <laughs> I guess congrats to the patrons. Congrats people, all around. People are going, so I guess congrats <laughs> to those people who had withdrawals for the last three or four months. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, so we are two for two so far in this heavyweight battle. Best score out of five wins. Cody, you'll go first for number three. Burger King is doing their part to help the environment by changing the diet they feed their cows that is designed to cut down specifically on cow farts, which then reduce methane emissions by 33%. Is that 2020 or apocalypse? So this is where I'm going into the mind of Hickey. I think that is way too scientific for Hickey to make that up. <laughs> you were saying some, some meth scientific terms right there. Um, this sounds bizarre. I'm going to say this is 2020, though. I don't think – I think this is a little too complicated for Hickey to uh, to make this one up. I'm going to say 2020. All right. You are saying it's real. Rob? All right. This is definitely the first one. I'm a little little uh, in between. Uh, hey, can I, can I get a repeat? Of course. Repeat as many times as you want. So Burger King is doing their part to help the environment by changing the diet. They feed their cows that is designed to cut down specifically on cow farts which would reduce their, the, specifically the cow's methane emissions by 33%. Is Burger King doing their part to help feed the cows better diets and help the environment? Or, you know, this is 2020. No one's really that environmentally conscious, and uh, this is a made-up story. I, I really like Cody's assessment with picking out the, the methanol or I think whatever you say, because that is way too big of a scientific <laughs> word for Hickey to just methane to emissions. You're, you're saying I don't drop that in just a normal conversation. 
but then again, it sounds like an absolute preposterous story. That like, I don't see that that is the focus of Burger King right now in the times that we're in. I can't see them focusing on, you know, ripping, you know, ripping farts of their cows. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go against my competitor here. And I'm gonna go Apocalypse. Our first disagreement. Cody says 2020. Rob goes Apocalypse. This is big. Cody gets into the mind, and he is correct. This is a real Let's story. Go. Burger King is actually doing this. They are changing the diet. They are focused on cow farts, and they are reducing methane emissions by almost 33%. Cody, you sir are correct. This is a very real story. So, hey, good for Burger King, man. Cutting down the environment. That's what good we need. Good for Burger King. You know, the environment's the one getting the short change here with everything going on. There's so many different distractions. But here's Burger King, you know, doing, doing one for Mother Nature. Maybe they will reward Burger King by getting like a better burger or fries or something. Anything, because I don't know who goes to Burger King to be honest. Over McDonald's, Wendy's, all these other chains. Right? Are you guys Burger King guys at all? Not really. I'm a big Chick Fil A guy. So if I'm Chick Fil A, anything Chick Fil A all day. So burger, go. Wendy's, gotta go Wendy's. Burger King, not on the radar anywhere. On the radar. So there you go. But good for Burger King doing the environment with that. Cody, three for three takes a three-two lead over Rob. We go to question number four. Well, Robert, you will go first. An Oregon right. man trying to evade police in a stolen car was caught after he crashed his car into another car, which police also discovered was stolen. The 2020 or Apocalypse? An Oregon man evading police in a stolen car was caught after he crashed into another car, which also happened to be stolen. All right. This doesn't sound too too crazy so he took a car saw another car so he kind of helped out the the police he was actually he's actually uh doing a, a civil duty two it was a two for one it was a he's two a for guy. one exactly <laughs> he stole the car on purpose because he knew someone else stole the car so you know what? how do we get them boom i'll make them a mobile and get both all right so this sounds you know make something up that's so easy that we have to believe that it is 2020 um i don't really have too much of, of a breakdown here um i'm gonna go that is an apocalypse all right you're going fake that is not a true story cody i saw you dropped out do you need the question repeated or did you hear it and you're good to go? Um, I, I think I heard it. Let me hear it one more time, though. All right. So an Oregon man trying to evade police in a stolen car was caught after he crashed that car into another car, which then police also discovered was stolen. And Rob went apocalypse, huh? Rob went apocalypse. Yes, he did. So here's where the strategy part gets in, because I could easily just say what he says. And worst case scenario, we're going to overtime. That is that is very true. You can well, go for the, the you can go for the win this right is... here. Just mind you that it is three two. You get this right. You're up two questions. and one to go. You win. So this is where this is where it really comes in. Do you want to play for play safe, play for the tie, play for overtime, or you want to be aggressive and go for the win here? Kick the extra point or go for two. That's there. There it is. There it is. Well, uh, <laughs> look, I'm, I am. Whew, I'm gonna. This is a tough one, and I I did hear his reasoning. This sounds almost too believable um it's not far-fetched at all but which means it's also one that hickey can very <laughs> easily have made up on his own the way his simple mind works 
I'm going to go Apocalypse. I'm going to go Apocalypse as well. All right, so you both Play are st- playing it safe. You both are saying this is a made-up story. You both are incorrect. Incorrect. Wow. This is a true story. An Oregon man was arrested, and then they found out that the car was stolen three weeks earlier that he crashed it into. So a little two for one. You get two carjackers in one. It is definitely a real story. So no, no blood there. We're still up three to two, but now Cody goes first. Rob will go second. Rob needs us to get this right. Cody needs to get it wrong, and we will go to overtime. Cody, here we go. The University of Alabama announced that they will not have any seating restrictions for this upcoming football season, meaning that 100,000 fans, in theory, could gather in little over a month. Is this a true announcement? Alabama said no seating restrictions for football. 100,000 fans, let's bring them in. Or is this apocalypse? No way this is going to happen in 2020. This is a tricky one because I don't think that's going to happen, but we're still a month away from college football and a month away from anything. You can say, yeah, anything's possible. So I could easily see Alabama saying they're not going to have any restrictions, whether or not that's realistic or not. This is, this is a tough one. I'm going to say, look, all the schools down south in the SEC, they have different plans than the rest of the country, it seems like. While I don't think it's going to happen, I'm going to say this is 2020, and, and as of July 30th, that's their plans. All right. So Cody's saying it actually, actually did happen. Alabama made the announcement, no seating restrictions. He's saying 2020. Robin, I guess you have almost no choice but to go pack up to this point, right? Yeah, I'm not really giving too many options here. Um, <laughs> you could, you you could know. play it safe if you want. You could agree with Cody. <laughs> <laughs> I made a good argument. Come on, that, that's true. I'm pr- I'm pretty convinced. Um, but this this is one I have to say. Uh, I was going to go apocalypse anyway because Cody said 2020, right? Um, right. Cody so did I'm, say I'm 2020. Gonna, so I was actually go. I was actually leaning apocalypse uh, regardless of being put in this corner. I feel like if you know it, nowadays, whenever you know there's sort of uh, a, a kind of a an interesting comment that's made, especially one. From you know the Alabama, um, you know uh, college um, or the University of Alabama, excuse me. Um, I feel like I would have heard about them saying this, and the fact that I haven't, um, I would probably say they didn't say it. I can 100% see them saying it, um, but if they were to make that announcement, I feel like I would have uh, would have heard it. So, obviously, going against Cody here, I'm going to go apocalypse, and uh, we'll see if it pays off. Well, Rob will say this. There's a reason you didn't hear Alabama say it. Because they didn't say it. You saw it correct. This is made up. It's the apocalypse. Man. And the Cinderella story continues because wow. we are going to I'm overtime. Myself. I'm keeping myself. <laughs> we are going <laughs> to overtime. Hey, this, is the, this is the good thing about being the eighth seed is you really have no pressure. No one has any expectations of you to, to do well anyway. That, just kind of that's it. House money at this point. I mean, my heart is pounding over here, so I'm feeling <laughs> the pressure very much. <laughs> Hopefully right, Rod's Cody, not listening, Cody. Your job could be in trouble if you lose this. <laughs> You're right. Can't have any losers around side. 345. We're both, we're both getting a point. We're both in overtime. We're both walking away with one You're point. You're right. We didn't embarrass ourselves. That's, good. That's right. That's true. You both got three to five, which is very impressive. Very impressive. A lot of people have done a lot worse than three out of five. That's for sure. And while you do get a point while they're going overtime, only one person will advance to the Final Four, continue their hopes and dreams of capturing the 2020 or Apocalypse title, Fellas, here's how overtime is going to work. We have three questions. Only one of you is going to answer every question. So Cody, since he is the top seed, he'll answer the first and third questions. Rob, you'll answer the only question in the middle. If Cody gets it right, or Cody answers, I should say, and gets it right, he gets the point. 
Cody answers and gets it wrong. Rob gets the point. Best score, obviously, two out of three will win. So the pressure, if you're answering, is on you. And if it's not your turn, obviously, you can get a free point if they do get it wrong. Do those rules make sense, fellas? Hey, did you make up all these rules? Yes. It's actually pretty good. Thank you. I like it. I like this, yeah. Initially, I can't lie. This is my second plan. I was initially going to go rapid fire. Just first one to scream it out, but I I figured that could get a little little tough. And I'll have that many (laughs) questions to uh, to figure out. So we figure, make it calm, make it, you know, there's no... um, no asterisks here. No, you know, no controversies. We're going for everyone earned it on the field. That's all. So I think this is a, a good overtime strategy. So Cody, with that said, as the higher seed, you will go first here, right or wrong? Or I should say, right, you get a point. Uh, wrong. I can, Robert's I, can point control my own, I control my own destiny. That you do. Okay, I like that. That you do. So number one, a new coronavirus mutation has developed and is causing outbreaks that spread much more quickly around the world than this current coronavirus virus. The 2020 apocalypse. So a new coronavirus mutation has developed and it spreads a lot faster and causes more outbreaks than the current coronavirus we are dealing with. 2020 or apocalypse? Uh-oh. Oh, there we go. Oof. We ran out of music there. So I remember hearing something similar to this, but then I feel like it was discredited pretty quickly. But technically that means it did happen. I'm going to say 2020. You're going 2020. You saw it correct. That is true. There's an actual coronavirus mutation, and it is spreading faster than the current one we have. It is a real story. (laughs) There's one person. There was one person out there that's happy this mutation happened. It's causing outbreaks. It will be the the only guy on the show, Cody. Congratulations, Cody. I'm glad you like to see the world (laughs) burn for your your game. (laughs) All right, Rob. The pressure now. You talked about playing without any pressure. The pressure is squirreling your shoulders. You get this question right, we go to a sudden death. Number three, if you get it wrong. No, it will be chalk, and unfortunately, your ride will come to an end. Are you ready, sir? Ready to go. Iceland Air, the airplane company, Iceland Air, announced that they are laying off all their flight attendants and moving their responsibilities to the pilots. So is Iceland Air eliminating flight attendants and now making pilots do both jobs? Or is that made up 2020? I mean, excuse me, made up apocalypse. No shot that happened. Iceland so- Air. I mean, I couldn't imagine them. I would say a flight attendant is a pretty, um, a pretty important job for you know, supporting the you know people on on the airplane. Um, I could see them laying them off, and and you know if you didn't say that the pilots would be taking their responsibilities, then I I would say that might be believable. But the fact that 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 they're flying the plane, throwing it in autopilot, and then serving you know <laughs> nuts and Doctor Co- and then. Diet Cokes. Um, it sounds a little preposterous and pretty dangerous. Um, so even though there's two pilots, you know, one could be doing one, the other one could be serving. That would be the only way it could possibly work, but it still sounds ridiculous. So based on that logic, I'm going to say apocalypse. You're going false. There's no cruise control, I guess, that the flight, the, uh, the, the pilots would just turn on. But Rob, unfortunate for you and all the passengers that are going on Iceland Air, that is a real story. This is true. Pilots now are getting their duties doubled. They'll be flight attendant. They'll be serving That's drinks. They will, wow. And they'll be flying the damn plane. I, I thought Spirit Airs was bad. <laughs> Iceland Air, I guess the budgets are low, and for whatever reason, they, they are really uh, – they, they thought, well, what's the best way to chop some, uh, chop some money? Oh, that's right. Let's just give the pilots the ones that, you know, if we crash, we're probably losing a lot of business. Let's give them more responsibilities, but – Iceland Air is doing it. They're rolling it out, and no more flight attendants on Iceland Air, which means Cody Enos 
They two seed. They man confident. He got it done. He is advancing. We have a chalk for chalk. the most. <laughs> Final fours. He punches his ticket. Cody, congratulations. What is going through the mind? How are we feeling here? Yeah, just really sweat it out. What are we thinking? I feel good. Um, I feel like, you know, I got through it. The pressure is on if you're the higher seed completely. And I was kicking myself in some of those answers on uh, four and five. You know what? We're moving on, and that's, that's the only important thing, you know. Just looking forward to the next battle now. Looking forward to the next Survive game. Survive and advance. Survive and advance. You, you said it. Rob, if we were in an arena right now, if this was a, you know, March Madness, I think you'd be getting standing ovation coming off the floor. You put your heart, sweat, and tears out there. You pushed Cody to overtime. You put him to the brink. You gave him a massive stare. Great competitor. Great competitor. Unfortunately, we do have nothing for you, but we do appreciate you, uh, you joining. And like I said, standing up. We're all clapping right now for the effort that you showed out here. Incredible performance. Hey, boys, really appreciate it. You know what they say, you win gracefully, you lose gracefully. It was, it was a good time. It was a, it was a good run. But unfortunately, I don't believe in participation trophies. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it, you know we'll just have to uh, come back next year stronger. We're going we're gonna to practice. I'm going to read as many articles as I, as I can <laughs> in 2021. You know, we'll be back. We'll be back to, go, to get after it. He's going to come back in the best shape of his life. The motivation is through. This is a guy. Watch out. Rob Young next year. Put a lot of money down on Vegas. I think he's going to be one of those one of those guys you're looking at as a big time taking the big time leap to be a, a favorite for 2020 or apocalypse. I guess, that, I guess next year, 2021 in apocalypse. But Cody, congratulations. Get some rest. We'll see you in the final four. Appreciate it, Hickey. As always, fellows, both gracious in in victory, va- gracious in defeat. We appreciate both Rob and Cody coming on. A slugfest. A hell of a match as Rob pushes Cody to the brink, but the 2C does get it done. Cody Enos, the fourth and final competitor to punch his ticket to 2020 or Apocalypse. He will take on the 5 seed, Or, I'm sorry, he will take on the 1 seed, 5 seed. I have to look at the bracket. I apologize. Either way, Cody's in. The number 2 seed will there, and he has a chance to go 2020 Apocalypse and be number 1. So we congratulate Cody. He moves on, and we have our final four set. Joe, Cody, Sarah, Lauren. One, two, three, and five seeds. A lot of chalk. A lot of chalk. But it's been a lot of fun so far. And we'll see who will come out 2020 or Apocalypse Champions. When we do come back, we'll finish up. Lamar Jackson's been interesting comments that he made about Antonio Brown and why he wants him on the team. Tell me why the little misguided when the morning points Ryan Hickey return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Getting a lot of feedback on Twitter, Ryan underscore Hickey number three. Ryan underscore Hickey number three. I tweeted out a picture just before the show started, just about two hours ago. Um, I got a parking ticket in New York City, almost like, I mean, two months ago, honestly. For, uh, for a ridiculous rule. There's no sign there. Claim there's a sign there. I took pictures, said no sign there. They said, ah, oh, we don't see anything wrong. You're still, you're, uh, your appeal has been, or the decision's been affirmed. And I put out the picture because they wrote a two-sentence explanation in script and that said why their decision was affirmed. And I, I literally, no, no joke, no hyperbole, no exaggeration, I can't read it. They wrote it in script. It's the laziest script I've ever seen. It honestly looks like someone was like sleepwalking and decided to write this letter out in their sleep. And that's what it looks like. And we have a few responses. My guy JD writes in, Having, question mark, 
we assume having, but having what sort of looks like reviewed and considered the record. No error was found. Decision affirmed. Then he goes, come on, man. Did you not learn anything in Catholic school? It's, I don't think it's that easy. And there's a lot of people I mentioned saying, you know, they can't really read it. One person, former uh, Penn State, great Penn State alum, Stephanie Perry writes in, great point, which I should have thought of this. I didn't. I already, I'm not going to lie. I already submitted the payment. She, she said, you should have responded with, I can't read this, so I'm assuming I don't need to pay. Man, I'm sure the city would have loved that. I'm sure they wouldn't have increased or put a, an extra tax on, um, uh, on that ticket. Jeremy writes in, that ain't cursive. What a joke. Couldn't agree more. But uh, AJ Diorgiano, Diordano, excuse me, says things same thing as JD. He says it translates to having reviewed and considered the report, no errors found, decision affirmed. I don't think it's that easy. It seems pretty damn hard. Oh, this is my guy, John Grillo. The great, great Johnny G. All I could read was moving, considered, decision affirmed. Let's see. There's 13 words. Decision is, is the clearest word for sure. Decision is definitely the, clo- the clearest word. Affirmed is easy as well, but the A looks like an O. So it looks like decision O firmed. Same thing with the first word being having. It looks like the A looks like an O hoving. But like, there's no joke. No error was found is the second sentence. And a lot of two people now have said that. No error was found. It legitimately looks like a squiggly line. Like, I am not kidding. Ryan underscore Hickey number three tweeted two hours ago. Please go and check because I am very curious. I can't read it. Now, I knew I lost the appeal, which is just a whole other, you know, kicking the, you know what. But just to not even read the explanation is, is so frustrating. And that's why I don't get, I never really see people writing script anymore. What's the point? If it truly saves time, if it's truly that much easier to write, if truly that much better to write, you lose all that time because no one can understand what you're writing. I learned script, I'm trying to think. We did script probably, I think, in second grade. I think second grade was the time or third grade. Second or third grade, one of those two years where we first started learning script. And the big thing for me, the big incentive to write well in script is that you got a pen. Up to that point, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I believe it was second or third grade, you wrote everything in pencil. Now writing everything in pen, if, you, if the teacher deemed your script was, was uh, eligible, and was readable and, and good, you got to write in pen, which was the coolest thing ever. So I can't lie, for that year, year and a half, I wrote in script and I tried my best to write in script. So what are you in third grade? Like probably seven, eight? So I'm 26 right now. It's so almost 20 years, 18 years. I have not used script. I have not thought about writing in script. I have not cared outside of signing your name to write in script. This judge decides to not only write in script, literally just write in chicken scratch. Right in squiggly lines. Maybe that's maybe that's part of the decision. I mean, maybe that's part of the the theory for the city. Maybe that's whole New York City's mo. Because the explanation I got about how there was a second sign there didn't make any sense. Because I took pictures, submitted the pictures, asking where the second sign was. That said, no parking here until seven. And they write this chicken scratch. It's garbage that you can't read. And I guess they hope that people just mail it in, which I can't lie, I did. This is my second appeal. I said, you know what? Fine, you win. But man, I mean, this is just, it's unreadable. It's unlegible. It looks, to me, I mean, we had two, let's say, I had nine responses, two of them read it correctly. I'll go with the numbers. That's a numbers game here. Seven out of nine being unable to read it. 
I'm backing with. Those are my people. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you want to see it, if you're on Twitter, Ryan underscore Hickey number three, Ryan underscore Hickey number three tweeted out just before 9 a.m. Please try to translate what this says. It literally, it is so bad, such a waste of time, and so infuriating to not only lose the appeal, then not even be able to read why you lost the appeal. So I guess that's going to do it for the show. Unfortunately, can't, uh, can't fit in my Lamar Jackson thought. We'll do it on Monday. So that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Like I said, to start the show, sports fans, we are in Nirvana here. This is it. This is really all the suffering we did in March, in April, in May, in June of no sports being around, of no content, really, that's out of Netflix being around. We have finally made it. We have seen the light, and we have reached sports heaven. We've had baseball so far going off. Hopefully, it could continue. Fingers crossed that this Marlins outbreak is an anomaly. Fingers crossed. Obviously, we don't know, but we hope it's an anomaly. You have basketball starting tonight. You have the Lakers and Clippers. You have the return of Zion. And you have the hockey playoffs starting on Saturday. NFL training camps are getting underway. Sports are coming back. The uh, NCAA football, college football, is talking about how that they, they're making plans to start the season. This next month, we're going to have a great problem to have. That's too much sports to watch. Too many games to juggle back and forth. I am so excited. I am so pumped. Sports fans, we made it. We have made it through hopefully the worst time of our lives with the pandemic. Hopefully the worst time of our lives, uh, worst time of our lives, excuse me, in terms of sports viewing experience. So soak it in. Enjoy it. And we will be back on Monday to talk about it all right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.